Sometimes they don't come across as well on the screen as they do on my computer. Right? Party time. Then you take and you add the word search, party, to it. Now it's a totally different event, isn't it? It's not necessarily one for celebration. It's still a group of people. It's, a diff- it's still maybe an event, but the mood changes, right? The mood changes a little bit. And do you know what you need if you're going to have a search party? You know what a search party is. You're looking for somebody. Somebody's lost. Somebody's missing. So whatever. What do you need to have a search party? You need more than yourself. The whole thought of the word search party is other people and other expertises. And maybe somebody in a bicycle. Maybe somebody with a drone. Maybe somebody with dogs to sniff it out. People on foot. People in the air, you know. A search party. And you need others to do that. And as I think today, as we are going over our, um, our theme verse for the year, right? Every time you turn your sermon notes over, the theme verse at the top, there's Matthew 6. And I have 32 through 34, but the theme verse is verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. But it's kind of like a sandwich, right? The meat's in the middle. you got a piece of bread on top and a piece of bread on the bottom. Take a look at Matthew 32. You have it in your notes. For the pagans run after all these things. What was he talking about? He's talking about food, clothing, and things. Necessities in life that people spend a lot of time and effort putting into. Pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. It's coming to this place where it's like, what are you going to trust? So then he says this next phrase, which is where he's headed, and he says, but seek, and it's the word first, right? It wouldn't be so bad if it said seek the kingdom, and it wouldn't be so bad if it said seek his righteousness and learn how to live right, but it's first. Making a living is not first. Making sure you got the right clothes and the right food, it's not first for God's kids, for the people in his kingdom. He said, your heavenly father knows you need those things. He knows it. He wants us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. Is that a promise, or does God not know how to keep his promise? And maybe sometimes we don't have what we don't have because we haven't done what he has told us to do. Make sure my kingdom is first and my righteousness, which is know how to live. Righteousness is simply doing what's right in God's eyes. And then he says in verse 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And it's almost like he knows where we're going. Our tendency is to worry about clothing, to worry about making a living, to worry about what we... That's our tendency. He says, man... I'll make you a deal. I'll make you a promise. You make sure my kingdom is first. You make sure what you're doing is affecting the kingdom. You make sure you're learning how to live right. Somebody told me this morning, if you're ready to come to Bible study, that's how you learn how to live, not just Sunday morning. And the whole purpose of a search party for you and for me is, is we do it together. We do it with others. We do it as a church. My picture, my thought when I came with the word search part of the design team was is that we would search his kingdom. We would seek his righteousness together as a party of people together, that we would do it together. Psalm 37, you have to turn to it because I only have the first two verses in your, uh, on your phone or in your Bible. 
I like Bibles, just so you know. I know it's old-fashioned, that type of thing, but you put a lot of notes in there. You can write stuff in there. A Bible, I think, is a little bit more effective than a phone, but I digress. Psalm 37, number one in your notes, fill it in with me. We have to keep a kingdom perspective. As we search, and as we search together, we have to keep a kingdom perspective. Now look at verse 1. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. That's what Christians like to do sometimes. All we'd like to do is just complain about the liberals and everything that's going wrong and everything else. And it can be a distraction, and the enemy knows that. For like grass, they'll soon wither. This is almost from last week, right? Like green plants, they will soon die away. Interesting word, that word die. You don't often see that word die in relationship to followers of God, believers of God following Jesus. It's almost always used in reference to those who will spend eternity in hell, separated in in, in, uh, this type of a reference. Now he says, don't fret, and, and don't fret because of evil people or people who are doing something different than you or people who don't know God. The word fret here, I, I first thought it meant to worry. It, it literally means to be hot or furious or to burn and become angry. You see, fretting is the action of one who does not trust. Fretting is somebody who has no confidence in their God. We listen to what he tells us and what he's promised us. You know, the hardest thing uh, uh, to, do, uh, to deal with with evil people is when they are enjoying life. They're enjoying life, hardly a problem, hardly a situation. That everything seems to be going well. I told somebody at Bible study last week to read Psalm 73. And they went home and read Psalm 73 and said, man, it basically means do what's right because the enemy will be no more. This is kind of saying the same thing to you and me. Don't fret, don't envy, because envy is the response of one who desires what someone else has. Now that these two words come together, fretting, burning with anger because of what they have, envy, response, saying wishes that that's what that I had. Here's the problem with wanting what evil people have, with people who are out without Christ. What the, word, the problem is, is you can't just be a Christian and get what they have. You got to take it all. Folks, it's like the Lay's potato chip commercial. You can't just eat one. And then there's two, and then there's three, and you got to eat the whole bag. The problem is, is we'd like to be followers of Jesus Christ, have what they have, but that doesn't happen. That doesn't work. They're running after that. That's what they're going after, and therefore, they will be like grass, and they will be like the flowers, wither away one day. But you seek my kingdom first. All these other things that they're running around after, Man, that's, that's pagan activity. That's why he says pagans run after these things. Don't let evil people rent space in your life for free. Don't let them rent space in your mind for free. Don't let them rent space in your heart with no charge. Fretting and envy is the action of people who don't trust and people without confidence. Oftentimes, here's the thing about a search party. This is what I like about the church. We need the assistance of another Christian to help us keep our kingdom perspective. You may need to give it to somebody. Somebody may need to give it to me. Number two, uh, act like a kingdom kid. Act like a kingdom kid. Look at verse three. Trust in the Lord and do good. 
He just comes out of, there's evil people and there's people who you have to be careful of. You, they're headed in a direction that's opposite of the direction you're headed. You're going to trust. You're going to have confidence. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. A picture of being in a relationship with God. While we're allowed, uh, alive, we, we dwell in the land. We dwell in his presence. The word dwell is the word for tabernacle. He dwelled among us. He tabernacled among us. And verse 14, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. A pretty familiar passage of scripture. But Christians who do good, it says right there in verse 3, in the face of evil have learned to trust Jesus' words. If you can do good in the midst of evil... If you can do good in the midst of, uh, of when people are succeeding that don't have anything to do with Christ, you got it. It's the picture of a kid who does what is right in front of everybody, even though they don't know that there's people who are enemies. It's like sometimes kids, they just, you know, we, we always pick on them for everything they do wrong, but they, they, they're so trusting sometimes. This passage of Scripture says, Evan, do good. And, and when the passage of Scripture that we're studying this year is uh, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, that means, Evan, do good, even in the midst of evil. Because what credit is it to you and me if when evil people are around, we act like them? And we only give goodness to people that, give us goodness back you know Jesus teaching on that it's no good there's no different for me or a sinner if I act like that righteous people do what is right in God's eyes can we trust in the Lord and do good when good is not welcomed you ever get in a situation where good Christian principles are not welcomed that's the call Let's act like a kingdom kid. Verse 4, it says, uh, you know, uh, can we just start from the back end of verse 4? Let's start at the back end. And he will give you the desire. Kind of sounds like a prosperity theology message. We're going to get the desire of our hearts. You know, and, uh, and the, the whole thing with that whole uh, prosperity theology is, is until we think about Jesus. Wait a minute now. The desire of Jesus' heart was you. For the joy set before him, he went to the cross. It was the desire of his heart. We think the desire of our heart's going to give us a nice, easy life. Look at the first part of verse 4. Take delight in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you desire of your heart. The phraseology to take delight, I looked it up in the original language. It means to be happy about, to take exquisite delight in. Have you ever asked the Lord for something or prayed for something only for a few years later to be glad you didn't get it? You know? That house that you wanted and didn't come through, but the house you end up in is the girl or the guy you wanted, and they turned out ugly. In high school, they were like, fine. So like, what happened to that person? Happened to me, so I know. You ever glad... Find out a little bit later, mm, glad that prayer wasn't answered. And that's the God that you and I trust today. That's the God that we're, we're to put our trust in. Trust in the Lord. Take delight in the God who really knows what's best for us. When my heart and my life take delight in the Lord, he directs my desires. 
That really is what it comes down to. How could it be that somebody has a desire to go to a foreign mission field, live uncomfortably to reach people for Christ? How can that be your desire? They delight in the Lord. We need each other to remind us to act like a kingdom kid. A search party. The word search is the word for seek. Party is the word for church. We're a seeking church. We search together. We're a search party. Number three, let's focus on the king. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. What unanswered request, what problem do you carry overwhelms you that causes you to worry? The bad news that takes away your trust. What is it? And is it whatever it might be for you, whatever it might be for me, ask yourself the question, who else are you going to give your biggest problem to? Your biggest concern. Your worst situation. You're going to give it to Buddha every day you can wake up and rub his belly? And he'll say, you know, his teaching is, I'll reincarnate you until you get it right. Shoot, man, that's going to take an eternity. I'm probably coming back as a mouse as many as I've killed in my house. It's craziness, folks. Commit your way to the Lord. Who else are we going to trust? Who else? What else? You know what uh, we often do is, is when we have... A, some way that we really don't want to commit to the Lord, you know. We, you know, I'm caring about 90% of it myself because I could, I'm bigger than God, tongue in cheek, right? I carry 90%, I give 10% to Jesus. I'm a Christian. Commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Verse 6 says, He will do this. He'll make your righteous reward shine. Now, vindication will come along. You ever wonder when we really get to the place where we'll be relaxed enough to commit to Christ, the reward and the vindication, you know, everybody wants that. You know, those two words are not like instantaneous, right? You know, you, you, you get your kid, and your kid goes out, and you say, cut the grass, and when you're done, you'll get a reward. Dairy queen. DQ, we're taking it to DQ. What's DQ mean? DQ means don't quit. You go into Dairy Queen, but don't quit or you don't get there. This reward and this vindication almost never comes when we really like it. Some of it comes while we're alive. Some of it doesn't come until we're in the next life. Uh, I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Sully about the uh, pilot who landed on the Hudson. Uh, the, in the movie uh, Sully, uh, Tom, what's his name? Tom Hanks plays the role. He says this quote, I've delivered a million passengers over 40 years in the air. But in the end, I'm going to be judged by 208 seconds. And as miraculous as everything that he had done right, they were getting ready to crucify him, FAA. They were getting ready to crucify him. In the end, he was vindicated and rewarded. It wasn't at the beginning. He had to trust the process. Will you look around, find a brother or a sister who needs to remind and to needs to be reminded that they need to stay focused and committed on the king? Number four, sit before the king. As, as we are 
trying to seek your kingdom, Father, and as we are trying to live right in righteousness, one of the most important things is to sit before the king, verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways and when they carry out their wicked schemes. It's almost like God knew they didn't hear me in verse 1 and 2. They didn't hear me. Let me just bring this back around. To get to a place where we are unfrettable, we must sit with our God. We must be still before our God. We must learn to wait patiently on him because waiting patiently proves I trust him. All kinds of busy activity doesn't prove I trust him unless he's called me and he's told me to move out. Fretting is a continuous action without a solution. You're fretting, you're fretting, you're fretting. And God's like, if you would engage me, if you would sit with me, and I would say to everybody, sit with God alone with the word of God open. Reading it and talking to him, sit alone with him. Most especially about the biggest concern that you have. Waiting on God shows him we think he can handle it, and that, my friends, is faith. And Hebrews 11.6, you might want to write it down, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If you feel like your Christian life isn't much about seeing God's presence and his goodness and reward, it's because you haven't trusted him. That's the only thing that I can say. People thought it was the end of the world when Hitler was committing all kinds of evil acts, right? Talks about evil acts, people succeeding in their ways. Christians thought it was the Antichrist because of what was happening against the Jews and what the end times prophecies say about the Jews. But where is he today? He's somewhere. Where are all the Christians that were alive during his day? They're they're somewhere. Where will we be 50 years from now? It's not too long, everybody. 50 years from now. Jesus, somebody reminded me, the Bible says, he's seated at the right-hand throne of the Father. He's not pacing. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do about Elizabeth? Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Jesus is not fretting at the right-hand side. He is seated. And he's waiting for you and for me. Told us over and over again, I'm sitting at the right-hand throne. I'm going to intercede for you. Whisper in his ear, he'll whisper in the Father's ear. Sit before the king and we need to search for God's kingdom with others so that we are reminded to sit before our king. Maybe out of all five things I would like to say to you today, the one that's the most important, the one that will be done the least. The one that will be done the least. Prove me wrong, number five. Hope in the king. Hope in the king, refrain from anger, turn from wrath, do not fret, it leads only to evil. Now this is an important part. These three words, these three actions, anger and wrath and fretting lead to evil. What happens to people who practice evil? Verse 9, for those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Get control of your emotions, this says to me, Evan. If you don't, it could very well lead to sin and to evil and a bad, bad path. For you and for me, we have the power of the Spirit that lives inside of us, that he keeps calling us, keeps talking to us. Don't try to do this alone. Don't try to do this on your own. 
Evan, refrain from pagan behavior that searches and goes after all of these things rather than trusting in me. Turn from anger or you will become like one of these evil doers. The inheritance is for those who hope in the king. You know, every once in a while in a family, there's some, among their children, there's somebody that you have to cut out of the inheritance for a variety of reasons. For whatever reason, sometimes it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, they just, they're headed down the wrong path. People uh, have to deal with this type of thing, inheritance and things like that. And I take a look, and I look at the scripture here, and it says, those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land, but some others are going to be cut out of the inheritance. Those who hope in the Lord. Because everything else that was set up to here is all a definition of hoping for who our God is. Live for the future that is promised to you, not the temporary life that you live in right now. Hope in God's love for you, his care for you. Seek his kingdom. Live righteous. We need each other. We need a search party. Bible study is important. Fellowship is important. Interactivities are important. Folks, coming out to help with the Easter outreach, it's important. It'll be things, I can't explain it to you, how your faith will be deepened as you are here working together with other as a search party. We're going to have an Easter search party the 13th, is that correct? On the 13th, and we're going to be searching for people who don't know Christ. We're seeking to build his kingdom. We can't do it without you. I know, I know you'll, you'll sign up. We needed others in our search party to strengthen our hope. In your notes, I have the phrase, make it a party, right? And the kind of party where others you know are searching for the same thing. Seek first God's kingdom, expanding the kingdom, and his righteousness, how to live right, Evan. All these other things, your heavenly Father knows you need him. He'll, he'll take care of them. I, uh, I love to look at drone footage. I'm going to show you in just a second here some drone footage. Because the thing about drone footage is it kind of compares it to God's perspective. Go ahead, kill the lights and just start this drone footage. This is out at our sister's church, our sister church. And here's the first perspective, right? Ground level. You get to see, oh, there's a little shed out there uh, off to the east. You get to see the east side of, of the church building there. And you're thinking, you know, this is kind of a human being's perspective. You see one perspective, one sign, ground level. But as you go a little higher, you start to think, maybe God. God sees more than ground level, and of course he does. And so he's encouraging you, and he's saying, take a look at this. We have over 30 acres out there. Take a look at the building. Take a look from the different perspective. Here's the west side. Here's the back side. Oh, look, there's some damage to the siding that would have never been seen if we wouldn't have walked around and saw something different. And I'm sure God probably sees something in my life or your life. This is God's perspective of your life. Here is scanning to uh, take a look at the uh, 30-some acres. You can, as they go a little bit further, you can see all the houses over here on Proctor. It's God's perspective of your life. You think he can't see and know what's happening? Can you just breathe a little better sigh of relief? He sees the beginning and the end. Hey, he sees the beginning and the, the thing that you and I are so worried about or whatever it might be or we're fretting about, we should know better because he's done it for us before. 
Some of you here today haven't. No, that's good. You're in a search party. You got a church. There's others here that you can see and experience and, and help us. get. Along. That's one of the things about Bible study. I teach Bible study Wednesday and Thursday at both churches, and I go away, even when I'm tired and don't feel like being there, learning something, being blessed, hearing a personal testimony. It's just a good thing. And the bottom of your notes there, I have, you don't have to search or seek alone. I think when I have read that passage of Scripture in the past, uh, Rome, uh, uh, Matthew 6, I've often thought yeah, it almost was like, okay, it's something i got to do on my own. But somehow the Lord opened my eyes and said, no, no, this is a search party event. This is a church-wide. And then if you think about it, Evan, you've done this with other people in your life. You've done it with other people in your church. You've done this with your children. You've done it with your wife. You've done it with other people who love the Lord God. You don't have to search alone. I hope that that'll set you free as much as it's kind of set me free. You know, take your place in God's search party and advance the kingdom. Andy has been playing on our worship team and found out this morning, I knew a couple different things. Uh, One of the things that he is going to do is he's going to move on from being in a worship team to helping individual families who have a child with a learning disability so the family can go to church. He's going to spend time with them. Uh, Maybe he'll elkabong them with the guitar, whatever it might be. Play whatever. Uh, Church, Eagleville, Pastor Bill McMinn, they're doing this ministry. He is seeking God's kingdom. Something specific in his life. Do you know what yours is? I'll tell you a story. I I hear some of the best stories from my wife. My wife is always sharing good stories with me. So I want to tell you the story about Jason Brown. He's a center was a center, excuse me, uh, for the uh, Los Angeles Rams, the team that just played in the Super Bowl. This is seven years back. He's six foot three, 325 pounds, had a contract of $37.5 million. He also had a brother named Ducey. You see, uh, Jason Brown was uh, raised as a Christian. Sunday school, and as he put it, made to go to church. Folks, you make sure you make your kids go to church. His brother, Ducey, enlisted in the army, and he was killed in Iraq. That impacted him big time while he was playing football. And he said, you know, uh, my brother, Ducey, had dedicated himself to serving others. He made an impact. And Jason said, quote, here I was a millionaire living a life of of worldly success and selfish entertainment. I wanted to change. He said he realized how much God loved him and how far he was from God. He represented, he, he repented of his sins, Jason, and he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. And he sensed God calling him to hang up his cleats. Really? 37 million? Getting ready? Moving on from there? A couple other teams wanted him? He sensed God calling him to hang up his cleats, move back to North Carolina. That's where he's from, to be a f- farmer. 6'3", 325, sitting out on a tractor. He said that they, him and his wife, his wife's name is Tay, they promised God that they would call their property First Fruits Farm and would donate crops to disadvantaged and impoverished. Using the money from the sale of their, it says here, their mammoth home in St. Louis, Jason purchased 1,000 acres of farm country in Franklin County near where he grew up. Tragically, as the economy turned and calamity, different downturns happened, unforeseen events swallowed up their savings and their other investments, and as a result, he lacked the funds to purchase the equipment, the seed, the fuel, and everything else, the essentials to manage and grow the farm. For the first time in his life, he didn't know how he was going to pay the bills. 
He's sitting out on his tractor. The tractor's an old piece of garbage. Tears running down his face, the story goes. This six foot three, 325 pound former lineman, center, right there in the middle of the field, yelled towards heaven, quote, Lord, I'm out here working for you. I'm not receiving any benefits for this. Why have you forsaken me? Unquote. Well, get there. But at least he cried out to the right person, right? He said he was reminded of a prayer that he had prayed just a little earlier, and this one was, quote, God, I want to be drawn to you. God, I want to be taken to a place where I call out to you, where I need you. And he's sitting on this tractor, sweating, filthy, and he said, Lord, I need a John Deere tractor to get this job done. And I want a big one, because it's a 1,000 acres. And I would really like to have one that's four-wheel drive. And I'd really like to have air conditioning in it. Lord, I'm going to trust you. Word of what they were doing got out to all kinds of different people. Emails start pouring in, emails are pouring in. He gets an email from this one guy that says, we heard about your story, what could we do to help you? And he kind of just dismissed it. The guy emailed again. And when he emailed him again, he asked him, what is it we could do to help you? And so Jason got together with him, and he shared that he had been praying for a tractor. And the guy says, we can help you with that. You have a big farm, the guy says, so I'm sure you need a good-sized tractor, something reliable, a John Deere. Taken aback, at first, Jason, he kind of questioned him about his intention, expectations, you know. And the guy says, the Holy Spirit asked me to reach out to you. The only obligation you have is to continue being obedient to the Holy Spirit the same way I am being obedient right now. To date, the Browns have donated more than 850,000 pounds of produce to local churches, food banks, pantries, and soup kitchens. Expansion into commercial canning is on the drawing board as our youth education programs. The Browns are cultivating additional acres to increase food production and are planning to enlarge their evangelistic outreach through concerts, revivals, biblical literacy programs, and a live nativity seen at Christmas. The ultimate goal of First Fruits Farm is transformed lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate goal of their lives. Now I simply ask you the question, was he willing to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness? And if that's the case, I'm sure many of you are doing exactly that. But if it's possible that he's given you a little bit of a nudge to do something that your heart is in, to do something that he is calling you to do, the whole purpose of our lives is to advance your kingdom and to live right before you. I hope you're right in the center of your own first fruits farm, whatever it is. But if not, what would it be that God would call you to step out and do like Jason Brown? Father, as we prepare our hearts today. We have heard from you, and that's the most important thing. Thank the Lord I had a search party when I was called into full-time ministry. I had a church. They sought the Lord for me. They prayed for me. They helped me. And Lord, 27 years of ministry, I've tried to do the same with all of your people for anybody 
who has sensed or felt a call. Maybe today there's somebody who had a dream about one time, but they've given up on it. I don't know, Lord. Are you relighting the fuse? Today, Jesus, we yield to your spirit. When we sang the song, I surrender, whoops, we didn't know where you were going to take us today. The question is, is will we still surrender? Jesus, if there's anything that this church body can do to help or assist anybody in any way, me personally, may they sense and feel the freedom to do that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.